The Fujicast is an independent loading zone production. My grandma used to have lots of sayings. Things like, can't, never, could, and don't look a gift horse in the mouth. And right now, up to the end of July, if she was a friend of the Fujicast, like you are, she'd have been bowled over to receive 10% off all workshops, mentoring and presets, and actually anything else available on kevinmullinsworkshops.co.uk, which makes me think he might have sneaked in Get the Dog for sale. <laughs> Just use the word Fujicast upon checkout and enjoy 10% off at kevinmullinsworkshops.co.uk. And Git, I think you're safe, really. <laughs> Do you remember, Kevin, we used to start up every single episode with, what's happened to you this week? And you'd say, oh, well, I've been off to Sweden, then I had to fly into Germany. I did a training course in Holland, popped across to Japan because I just wanted a quick chat about the new X100. <laughs> and then uh, I was back home in tea, and then I had to pop off to Atlanta. Couldn't believe it for a quick little meeting. No, that's not true. I've never been to Atlanta. Oh, OK. <laughs> All the other places you've been to. So yeah. what have you done in the last week? Uh, <laughs> nothing. I'm just looking back through my diary, actually, and it's basically empty. Is it? No, no event. 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 Portfolio review. No event. <laughs> well, portfolio reviews. These must be the best portfolio reviews you've ever done. If you're thinking about having a portfolio review done, this is the best time in the world for Kev. I, I, I've really enjoyed it, actually. Have I have you? to say, I've had some, um, I had some kind of some corkers uh, i've had some incredible stuff yeah absolutely but but from all kinds of genres i've yeah. been like a landscape photographer and i've done uh birth photographer wow. a lot of weddings of well course, you know you, you know about about the, the actually let me come back to this the fuji cast hello welcome to the fuji cast um yes for the second week in a row now kev is here hello yes two meters distance does uh, we have measured it using Kef's roughly two metres long body. I just lie on the ground between us. <laughs> um, sorry, go, going back, we'll, we'll come back to what's on the show today in a moment, but going back to doing these um, these reviews then, so if, you, if, you're, if you're doing a portfolio review for a landscape photographer, mm. d- does that feel comfortable? Uh, well, I did explain to him beforehand that, you know, I'm not a a landscape photographer but what i can do is talk to you about uh you know light composition moment all of that kind of yeah. stuff and, and then we we dig into using uh the uh, different kind of crop overlays in lightroom and yeah. various things like that so yeah it was it was um it wasn't so much a case of what i can teach about landscape but about critiquing i can do and the tips and so, tricks and so stuff do a lot of the reviews turn into sort of um as much a technical sort of opportunity to train or, or not really no, no okay. because there's there's some people have gone for the the portfolio review and the Lightroom work- workflow thing as right. well separately ah so together so yeah uh, although not too many but but yeah so it's two separate things it's mostly it's an hour and a half of me talking about pictures and yeah. uh, and often we're doing it as a uh, to figure out the ones for their websites or for oh. their portfolios and stuff like that so, so this is a good, good opportunity really if you're building a website to really find out more about mm. what, what should be going on there mm. well I should get you to do mine mm. yeah yeah I won't charge you not much. <laughs> I saw that look in your eye there. Uh, welcome to the Fuji Cast. If you've emailed before, thank you. You are officially what we know as a friend of the show. Um, your questions mean, uh, well, they're the lifeblood of the show, of course. Click at fujicast.co.uk is the address to send them to. Um, thank you very much for sending them in. We're going to go to Club Indulgence for a visit through your uh, the lovely things that you've been saying on the uh, the podcast reviews that you've been leaving. There's Kev's Book of the Week. What, what's the Book of the Week this week, Kev? This week we... Do you remember y- Jimmy Young? What's the recipe today, Jim? This week... No? Uh, yeah, I do remember. You do remember. Yeah, vaguely. <laughs> um, this week we've got Martin Parr, and oh, it's God, the yeah. In Wales book. Right. Another signed book. Yeah. Although the last week, last week when I'd signed <laughs> the book, devalued it. Martin Parr uh, signing it, on the other hand. Yeah. massive value into it if your name is Kevin <laughs> do you remember do you remember the X Weddings conference and uh, good old Ben Gillet yeah. filmed it for ben us Ben Gillet yeah well he sent me through the um, the files oh, during yes. lockdown yes and uh, because there's so many of they're so big it, it came on a hard drive yes. and he included a an X Weddings mug one of our yeah. mugs that we had yeah. done yeah. and uh, and it was signed by Martin Pyers said to Kevin no way love from Martin Parr or something he'd got Martin Parr uh, to X sign his mug yeah because of he works with Martin, I think, at the um, some kind of photo. Um, oh, in Bristol yeah. library yes, type thing. He does, yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So yeah, and that was nice. Good heavens! Yeah, I got. I think I've got more signatures with Martin Parr than he's <laughs> than he's got himself. Uh, I've, well, funnily enough, in the back over here, in my glass cabinet, my brother-in-law got me a signed um, 
a signed postcard from Martin Parr. Hmm, I've got one of them as well. But he signed it to the wrong name. Oh. <laughs> so, as a, officially speaking, I don't have uh, an officially signed one to me. I, I do have an officially signed one to a chap called Mark. <laughs> so, so there we go. Um, right, let's kick off with the questions. You can go first. All right, this is from Andy Stonia. Now, Andy, you and I have got a bone to pick with each other by the looks of it. Oh, a question God. about names for Kevin. <laughs> Uh, he puts a little thing he says preamble I have a great surname Stonia which is Anglo-Saxon meaning stonecutter right but my parents named me Andrew it was going to be Gary (laughs) Gary's alright Gary uh, I do think of Gary the snail in uh in in SpongeBob, I always think when Gary. I when I hear the name Gary, I always think of Gary the uh, the illegal immigrant in Only Fools and Horses. All right, I, d- I don't remember that. Gary. Gary, <laughs> Gar- yeah, you must remember that episode oh. when they go to they go to France to uh, and they end up coming back in in um, in the truck full of beer and in the back of the truck oh, when they get there is is Gary. is Gary who's the son of the owner of the. <laughs> <laughs> the <What>? beer shop, <laughs> Gary. Uh, anyway, sorry, Andy. Um, I'm sorry to Gary's, by the way. If you're uh, offended yes, by that. yeah, yeah. I've, I've called myself Andy as uh, slightly friendly, uh, friendlier. Yeah, but it's still a bit me. Is it? This is his uh, words, uh, not Andy, my words. Cool. And not very arty or wedding photographer sounding. Right. Well, what's a wedding photographer supposed to sound like? <laughs> I called my eldest son Max, oh, which makes for a much better name. Strong, isn't it, Max? Maxstonia. Max, yeah. You can see that on the cover of a DVD, yeah. can't you? You can. Yeah. Maxstonia yeah. takes on the world. Yeah. So, question, Kevin. Yeah. Are you happy with being called Kevin? <laughs> oh, no. Oh, don't pick on Kev like and this. It, You'll upset him. And, and would you change your name if you could? Actually, my, so my my surname, Mullins, is Irish, and it means potato picker. Does it? Yeah. what oh, Mullins is. Kevin Potato Picker, in, well, in the old, <laughs> olden days. Yeah. Um, you want to get a Mullins in? Yeah. So, no, I, I, I like, I... <laughs> A couple of weeks ago, I did that Fuji th- film yeah, yeah. webinar. One of the things I said on there, as I've said on here many times, is you've all got such cool names. I'm called Kevin. Yes, and, and, yeah, you and have. As <laughs> I was about two minutes later, yeah. I'm still in the middle of the webinar. My mum message popped up on, from my mum on the phone. Uh, oh no! I think your name is wonderful. Oh, oh dear! X. Oh dear! Because <laughs> um, we, we sometimes forget that your mum listens to. This. Hello, mum. Yes, your mum listens to this show. Doesn't my mum, bless her. Yeah, yeah, hasn't been out yeah. of the house in months. No. Um, yeah. So uh, yeah, I'm all right with Kevin. I, I don't mind it. It's a, it's a little bit uh you know it had the connotation when i was growing up we had kevin the gerbil and oh God, yeah, kevin and uh, uh what are they called kevin and perry and yeah it was very you know people called kevin worked in a supermarket checkouts kind of thing nothing wrong with that no quite quite happy with the job doing that right now so yeah i'm all right uh, but i do wish i really wish that my parents because we are welsh had spelt it the welsh name which is mm. c-e-f-y-n considering that a lot of your clients come from America, was particularly the ones you talk to online, <laughs> they'd be truly confused by it. Ah, uh, well, anyway. I am and so Kevin. would I, living in England. I am called Kevin with pointy Ks, and I have pointy <laughs> eyebrows to go with my Ks. And the Kevin and uh, K and M of Kevin Mullins is the n- most nightmarish thing you could do in a logo. Is it? Because it's all angles and straight lines and anger mm, and yeah, aggressiveness and stuff. So yeah. I totally understand what you're on about, Andy. Mm. Um, although from now on, Andy, I'm going to call you <laughs> Gary. <laughs> that email was from Gary Stonia. <laughs> yeah. Neil James, as you well know, is not my real name um and uh, but i and we, you've only made me think of it because you were talking about the artwork um originally it was um when when the name was invented for me practically um because of a, a bbc thing um then uh, it was originally really n-e-i-l neil jane but i i i don't really like the name neil Neil. it's not like yoga no i don't it's never been a, and also there was a bully at school called neil i won't yeah. say his surname but um, just I, I've never been able to get over the name because of him. I know, I know. I have it, a real problem with it. It's really funny how name association can yeah. can do that. This is years ago. I, 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 a primary. This wasn't even a secondary school bully. This was a primary school bully. I have uh, I have a similar thing with the name Catherine. Do you? Yeah, and now Catherine is a beautiful name. Yes, it and, is. And there's going to be a lot of Catherines, obviously, because mm. we now have a, a beautiful princess called Catherine. Yes, of course. And um, however, I used to sit next to a little girl in school who used to wet herself all the time called Catherine. All right. And I, it just associates, in my mind, that it, Catherine. It just, I right. just think of... Poor Catherine. We. Oh, well, I hope you helped her. 
Well, I, I, I mean, that's, in terms, where are we going with this, Mullins? This could be, this could be tricky. But in terms of just you know offering support because people like you know they need support there. Uh, oh, yeah. Should we move on? Briskly? Yeah, I think we should quickly. Yeah. Um, <laughs> we got some emails from uh, over the over the period when we were doing the Daily Show. There, uh, we did something called Tech Free Tuesday, which I, I did notice that one of the. Uh, uh, we had a uh, well, we didn't, we didn't actually have complaints about it as such, but there were a couple of reviews that didn't didn't like that part of the show, part of the week so much. But I tell you what, you try doing seven days in a week and coming up with new material all the time. Mm. But we we are left over with quite a few uh, interesting ones. Paul Paul Cloerden had uh, had sent in some questions. In fact, a long list of the questions. Do you want, uh, let me run through some here, Kev? Uh, and then we'll go back to a photography question. What's your favourite moment in history? I just know what he's going to say. I know it. I know it immediately. Uh, <clears throat> mine would be the uh, death of Emery VIII. And <laughs> I knew you were going to say that. If you had a time machine, would you rather go back in time or into the future? You're going straight back to Henry VIII, aren't you? I am. I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there photographing the last two days of his life. What is it this about Henry the... VIII? No, I'm just fascinated with him. And I always, con- I always say about the death because I just think that would probably be, you know, the... You know, when people say the moment in time, but I, yeah. I, it's, I'd rather say that than, you know, like the beheading of one of the wives or something. But no, generally, I'd like to have been uh, the, the photo documenter of Henry VIII. Yeah, that'd been cool. He was a bit of a git. Yeah, he wasn't. Yeah, he had his moments. That's certainly true. What is an irrational fear you had of a child as a child? Not of a child, but as a child. <laughs> Plenty of irrational fears <laughs> yeah, as a child. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ooh, I don't know. I've got irrational fears now, like toads and frogs. Ooh. Yeah, I never got the toad one. Because when Gemma said to me, ask him about toads, I thought, what? Kev's afraid of a toad. What's to be afraid of? No, really? toads and frogs, yeah. I had one in my bag once on the tube. It was terrible. You had a toad in your bag in a tube? How yeah. on earth did that happen? Well, we, we uh, my laptop, when I was used to be going back and forth London, my laptop yeah. was in the living room and we'd had a barbecue on the Sunday and right. presumably a toad had come in from the garden. Right, and, and leapt in your laptop Went bag. in my laptop bag because it oh. was probably a bit cooler and on top of the metal. And that. And there I am in, in the tube, get my, put my hand in my bag and there's a great big frigging giant frog. <laughs> was it still alive? Yeah. Oh my God. Can okay. you believe that? Yeah. Yes, I can quite believe it. <laughs> it can only ever happen to you. Yeah. What about spiders and stuff like that? Uh, they're, they're, they're the irrational fears. I don't know if they're even so irrational. I mean, they're the fears I had as a kid was spiders. Really, when I was a kid, I there was there's two things that I remember. Earthworms, earthworms as well. I remember two things quite substantially that affected me. One of them was watching Jaws. Oh, yes. And then I, I, I really struggled to go yeah. to the loo for a very long time in case a shark came up and bit me on the bum. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, Which is totally unfair to sharks, yeah, you know, because yeah. uh, they, they've had a bit of... <laughs> Never a battering from that film. Well, obviously, in the last couple of weeks, so there was dreadful news in Australia, of course. Well, there it? was, I know. Yeah, but did, yeah. did you see the irony of it? Was the day before there was a big long read on BBC about why right. sharks have been given a bad name by the film Jaws, right? Great Whites, yeah, specifically. And yeah. I, it was a, a lovely line in it where it said, "You know, one thing is for sure: sharks never jump out to the sea and roar like a lion." <laughs> <laughs> well, because that, that's what it does in Jaws. Oh, <laughs> he yeah. like climbs up on the boat and goes. Yeah. That's when he says he's going to need a bigger boat, yeah. isn't he? We're going to need a bigger yeah. boat. Yeah, yeah. And then the next day, yeah, somebody did get 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 got got it. They did, yeah. Shark. Yeah. Um, Would you be very careful about swimming in the sea in Australia? Yes. Would you go at all? Yeah, I'd go in up You'd to paddle. my knees. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, absolutely. I, I, even though I know the, the odds mm. and stuff are See, I know ridiculous. I thought this. We were, we were uh, up in the north and we were paddling and a, a local said, what are you doing? Uh, I said, well, pad- paddling. This, well, you know, this is, a, this is a beach that has crocs. <laughs> I was like, right, okay. Uh, so I'm not saying, no, no, you shouldn't go far in no. and you shouldn't be shallow either. Oh. You best get out. Further out. <laughs> no, oh. no, out the, out the sea. <laughs> out the sea. Oh, yeah. And I felt a bit weird, actually, um snorkeling just off the great barrier because although it's all beautiful there are some deep bits it's not just all shallow no uh, yeah and they always uh, look down and think i wonder what's down there yeah no what's I in the dark that's not something i would be particularly comfortable with, no i have to say no 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 not for you what did you want to be well, last one what did you want to be when you were a kid uh astronaut <laughs> <laughs> uh, a journalist Oh, did you? Yeah, I wanted to be a newspaper you journalist. You effectively become that as a photojournalist, and in some respects, I suppose. I, I wanted to be a journalist, or I wanted to be in a boy band. A boy, <laughs> a boy band. Kevin and the Mullets. Kevin and the Mullets. Oh my god! <laughs> okay, your question. I have a question from Tim. Quite a long one. 
He says, uh, oh, and actually, Tim is in Adelaide in Australia, on the other side of the globe. Is have, you ever been, have you ever been to Australia? No, I know this one has been asked before, but it needs right. to be re-asked. Okay. This is more of a plea than a question. I'm oh. sure Fujifilm execs are listening. Yes. Mm-hmm, maybe. Is there some way that we can appeal to Fujifilm to make an X70 upgrade? Oh. An X80. We mentioned this last week. Didn't this get asked on Ask Andreas as well? I think Possibly. Might, might have done, yeah. And he goes on to say, I'm a long-time user of the Ricoh GR series. I think they've just bought a new one, actually. Mm-hmm. GR3 or they something. Have, yeah. Uh, uh, but they all lack a tilt LCD and the, that, like the X70 has. Yeah. An X80 with an X-Trans and all the current Fuji film simulations would be the reason in itself for me to have one. Uh, sorry, Fuji, but the XF10 does not quite cut the mustard, uh, as they say. Oh I'm in line for an X100V as a companion, but I really think there is room for a 28mm equivalent fixed lens pocketable APS-C X80. How do we get an X80 request back to Fujifilm mm-hmm. from them to say, we shall consider? What do you think? Uh, well, I... Uh, d- there is nobody shouting as loud as me about an X70 upgrade. Uh, I adore that camera. Uh, I mean, it had its little quibbles, but it's it's a brilliant, brilliant camera. And I think part of the problem was with the X70 was that it was launched the same day as the X-Pro2. And it, it kind of came under the radar, so mm. not many people saw it. No, I, I didn't. I don't. I didn't. Didn't even recall its launch. Well, I was involved in the X-Pro2 launch, and and uh, I hadn't. I was. I had no idea about an X70, and I didn't even notice it being launched. And so the X-Pro2 came along, and the X70 also didn't sell particularly well because it was ti- it's a tiny thing, very powerful, tiny thing, but quite expensive. So what happens, that kind of camera is the kind of thing you'd see on the stores in, um, like, John Lewis or something. Mm. So people go in, and they think, oh, that one's £800, the, you know, the, the Canon, whatever, Ixus or something, is... 400 pounds i'll have that one so it didn't sell very well and then the uh i think the earthquake happened and all of the sensors fell into the sea which doesn't help in japan um and and i think since then it's become a a very very popular camera but because there's not that many of them made they're very hard to get hold of and they don't make them anymore of course so yeah, I mean, I I I have been pulling that chain as much as I possibly can. If they can. were really popular, why do you think they? Do you think maybe they associate bad luck with it, with, with all the things that happen? Because I know I know that I, I don't know. I honestly think it's one of those. It wasn't the luckiest camera. The thing is, we we you and I and uh, Tim are in the street photography circle, mm. right? Now, street photography is people go, yeah, the X seventy, brilliant, you know, blah 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 blah, but. You know, with all due respect to street photographers, mm. we're probably not the ones that they want to market cameras to. You know, market cameras to a much wider range than just street photographers, because how many of them, you know, street photographers are, are notoriously hold on to their cameras, gears gets battered, no need yeah. to buy a new one. It's not about the gear, it's all about, you know, what you do with your eyes and everything. So, you know, it probably just doesn't sell much. Mm. And and that's as as good as it is, it's a very niche kind of thing. Uh, the XF10 that he mentioned is... Uh, uh, yeah, it's. I suppose it was never meant to replace the X70. It wasn't an upgrade to the X70. Yeah. Um, curiously named the XF10, I thought, because actually that's the same name in nom- nomenclature as the lenses. So right. when they first announced an XF10, I thought, oh, what's that? A 10 mil lens. Anyway, that came along. Um, quite a nice little camera. Um, very, very cheap and very small. Yeah. Uh, cheaper than a do phone. They, do they hold their value now? Do they? Well, the XF10s or the X70s? X70s. X70s. Yeah, they they are they are actually. Do hold their value. And the XF10. XF10, you can still buy. Yes, yeah. you know, it's still, it's still retail. So uh, yeah, X70, X80. Who knows? I would also like it. I have, um, I've tried. The fact is, it's been a long time, and there has, as far as I can tell, been no mention of it. So I can't imagine it's on there. We shall consider list, but I don't know. Who knows? Not me. In- interesting. These cameras that become. Um well, I suppose the, the X70 now has got, got that value because it's it's you know it's it's a rare camera, isn't it? Yeah. Reading about a camera, have you ever heard of? Uh, or let me look on the screen here. It was a, 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 a sort of camera many many years ago, a manufacturer called Petri. Have you ever heard of Petri? Petri. Didn't they make dishes? <laughs> I wonder whether you might say that. <laughs> um, it was. Um, a camera used by a photographer called Malcolm Brown. We talked about this actually on the on the Photography Daily podcast that I do about about protest photography. And uh, Malcolm Brown was the uh, the photographer that took the picture of the 
burning monk. Ah, yes, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And he used a petri. Now, and but I'd, I'd not heard of a petri before, and I thought mm. I'm going to look this up online. And they're absolutely they're worth a fortune now. I mean, you can buy some cheap ones, but if you want to buy a nice petri, the type that Malcolm Brown used that day when he was making those particular photographs, and when was, that was in the eighties, three hundred, three hundred fifty quid. No, it's fifty-seven years ago. That no way, it is. Yeah, yeah. Oh well, then I can't possibly remember it happening. Well, no, you know the picture. Oh, I know, the, know picture. the picture. Maybe that's very, where very I got well. confused. Yeah, yeah. So this is what is a medium format no, uh, plate uh, camera, thirty-five mil. 35 mil. You know, the incredible thing about that story, when they needed to get that picture out of Saigon, um, they trusted a pigeon to take it to Manila. <laughs> wow. Uh, yeah, one of the world's most famous pictures, horrific pictures. Yeah, yeah, yeah. One absolutely. of the world's most, I mean, that's incredible, the lengths that people used to get to, yeah. to take stuff out of the country. But so, yeah, so it's it's, it's interesting, isn't it, how, how yeah. cameras become very, very valuable. I've never heard of it. I need to look that up. Uh, Petri. P-E-T-R-I. And they, they cost an, an absolute, well, they cost an absolute fortune well, now. They must if be you very get a good. really, really good, a good one. Well, they were. They, the irony was it was a very cheap camera at the time. Mm. That's why a lot of people were using them. Right, let's step into uh, club indulgence before we have uh, this week's interview. Have you got some there, Kev? Uh, yeah. I rather uh, stepped into it and didn't warn you it was coming up. Um, so thank you very much for the um, the wonderful um, comments that you've been making, the reviews that you've been leaving in the podcast apps. It is very, very much appreciated, and it does so much for the, for the show um, because it means that... Well, I think it sort of raises our profile a bit on the on the radar, doesn't it, sometimes? Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, this one is from Lars Hegard. Uh, why would a podcast called The Fujicast run by two wedding photographers be a show for you? Honesty is an essential part of the show, and there's room for all denominations. Why would a podcast called The Fujicast run by two wedding photographers end up being your favourite? Well, if you appreciate tech talk to a certain extent, interviews that bring you inspiration, and sometimes the urge to break the bonds of your everyday life, this one is for you. He did say a lot, lot more, um, and he was very, very kind as well. So thank you. Five stars from Mr. Hegel. This one's from Steve Lynham. He says, what can I say? The shows are just wonderful. The in-depth knowledge is unbeatable. How does he spell that? Yeah. The in-depth knowledge is unbeatable. And the on-air humour has me laughing out loud. Does it? That's lol. Lol. You've both been a daily treat to listen to, and I'm now going to have to do my ridiculously daily exercise schedule without your input. How oh. could you put me through that? Oh. Seriously, you both deserve a break. I send you my heartfelt thanks <laughs> for what you've done. Cheers, Steve Langham. Sounds like a friend's edition. We were on a break. We're yeah. not on a break anymore. No, we're yeah. back. Back with um, a bang. Yes. Uh, great podcast, guys. Love the easy way that you gel together in the current times of lockdown, which are easing. The Daily Show is part of the obligatory routine to keep sanity within reach, but just out of earshot. From David Mullen, thank you. This is from KJ Martin 88. Nice. <laughs> a great show about so much more than photography. Full of insights, great interviews and feedback. Kevin and Neil have both built a rather special thing here, sharing their lives in these difficult times with yeah. the community that has grown around the podcast. English Steve, 65. Do you think he was born in 65? And he's English. And he's called Steve? Yeah. Maybe. Fujicast is not just for users of Fuji cameras. Anyone with an interest in photography can gain so much by listening to Kevin and Neil. Their easy charm and love for what they do comes through loud and clear. Got... Oh, that's it. That's um, Remember, if you've sent in one of these lovely reviews, um, what we always say about you... You're our favourite listener and we mean it. Absolutely true. Right, time for this week's interview. Today, proof that you need look no further than your front door for a good photo story, Kev. Jim Grover has discovered that keeping your ear close to the ground locally can feed you a diet of strong narrative-rich projects. I talked with Jim and played a shorter excerpt on Photography Daily a couple of weeks back as he prepared to lead a series of online webinars for the Leica Academy on making documentary pictures. Today, a chance to hear far more about the projects he's been working on locally and how to take those pictures and make them into local exhibitions, something we've been talking about recently on this show, funnily enough, using wall space locally to promote your photography. Jim, I, I know in your biography you talk about making the unseen scene. Which part of community is not being seen? Uh, great question. So my passion, as you say, is to try and discover things that haven't been seen before, partly because most things have been photographed you know, by someone at some point in time. And if you want to capture the attention of viewers in a world that is full of photography, you need to find things that haven't been done before. So, uh, for example, my first project a few years back now, I spent a year 
with our vicar in Clapham right. because I know I knew that that had not been photographed before, and so bringing to life what it means to be a vicar in the Church of England beyond the things we all understand, like Sunday services, weddings, and funerals. You know that brought to life, if you like, and made seen. You know his sort of twenty-four-seven life that is not typically understood. Um, and then more recently, uh, I decided to spend uh, okay, the best part of a year with the Windrush generation here in South London. Because again, I know that a lot of people have no idea that there was this wonderful community of people living their lives, you know, kind of true to their traditions, you know, of sort of nine nights, uh, dominoes, calypso music, yeah, you know, they are living yeah, that life yeah. in South London unknown by most people who live around them uh and they're holding on to those precious traditions uh that have kind of been part of their lives for 70 80 90 years um so it's those sorts of things i'm, I'm a real believer that if you look hard enough you will find things on your doorstep that are there to be discovered that either most people or just about no one actually fully appreciates and understood understands you know i i had no idea there was a dominoes club <laughs> in Clapham, you know, where basically Caribbean men, typically in their 60s and 70s, meet three nights a week to play dominoes. I, I had no idea. Yeah, I've lived in Clapham for 30 years. And most people had no idea about that until I revealed it to them. Have they admitted you as an honorary member? They have. I, I've become sort of an honorary <laughs> member of various uh, sort of uh, Caribbean communities. I, I've learned how to make curry goat. Right, uh, okay. I get it, which is amazing. Uh, delicious rice and peas. Uh, I get invited to Jamaican funerals. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm very much accepted by that by that kind of community now, partly because, you know, I have shone a light on something rather beautiful and I've celebrated their lives and recognised their kind of contributions in their lives in a, because you know, in, a, in, an, in an admiring way because I admire that community, what they've brought to us, what they've given to us, how they are leading their lives, their values. And so, you know, the fact that I, if you like, am a, a supportive photographer of those sorts of communities obviously makes it easier yeah. for me to become part of it. Part of the community. See, I'm, I'm listening to you thinking, uh, well, Jim leads the idyllic lifestyle. As a, as a fellow photographer, I'm thinking, well, I'm sure I could look around on my doorstep or from my doorstep um, and, and find stories. I know I could. They're, they're, as you say, there are always stories. But yeah. there's then there's a chasm, you see. There's, there's a difference between you and, and I in that you're able to then turn those stories into your job. Okay, well, the answer to that is, is that's extremely difficult. Um, uh, but let me just wind back a little bit to your, the first part of your question, because actually when I was doing my uh, – I've now done four major projects yeah. in five years. Yeah. Um, and when I started out, I was still working. Uh, and so I was finding a way to do these around my work life. So, for example, take uh, spending a year with my vicar. You know, he would say to me, I'd say to him, what are you up to next week, Kit? And he might say, actually, I'm visiting, you know, uh, Doris in hospital on Thursday. I said, OK, I'll, I'll, I'll come back. What time is it? Let me see if I can juggle my diary to join you doing that. Actually, you could find some projects. I could have done the dominoes project because they meet every evening and mm. so if you're willing to spend your evenings you know documenting for uh, dominoes and clapham you could do that so i don't think one should assume that it's not possible to combine documentary photography with a working life but of course you've got to choose projects that you can fit around that and that's why i always choose projects that are in clapham on my doorstep so i know i can literally when i've got a spare moment i can pick it up effortlessly um, of course in the day of digital imagery you know it, there is no cost attached to if you like you know processing what you take or the yeah. only cost is your time yeah and um, uh if you then want to basically stage an exhibition which is what i tend to do those do cost money and the only way to recover the cost of, of those sorts of ventures is to basically uh, firstly attempt to get the story covered by the media on an exclusive basis, in which, in which case you will earn a fee. And secondly, many of my exhibitions have been re-exhibited. And therefore now, if someone wants to exhibit my exhibition, I will charge them a fee to do that in an attempt to recover all the costs incurred in basically uh, 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 staging the exhibition first time around. But 
you know, I've chosen to do things that cost money, like stage exhibitions. You know, you could easily self-publish, you know, uh, your work in a book or a magazine. Yep. Uh, there's a format called Blurb I happen to use, which, you know, doesn't cost a lot of money because you can sell the work. Similarly, you can sell prints, you know, so it depends what you want to do with the work ultimately. Mm. My mindset has always been if I'm going to spend a year, let's say, on a project, and I want to bring to life things that haven't been seen before and celebrate them. You know, my mindset is always to how do I get to stage an exhibition? Hmm. That's my mindset. Where did the fascination for these stories come from? Well, I think I've, I've always loved taking photos. And that's always been part of my life, all the way back to my school days. Yes. Um, but I think there's a, there's a, the transition you make from taking what I would call individual images because um, that's, a, that's a very different thing from deciding to really immerse yourself in a single story, to spend time with it, to get to know the characters, to kind of explore all the different strands of it. Often the story ends up being different from what you expect. You know, so, for example, um, I, on the Windrush story, you know, how did that come about? That came about because one of my fellow church congregants uh, is West Indian. And he said to me, Jim, because I'm always saying to people, you know, what are you up to? Any ideas for stories? I'm always asking people, you know, about their lives. And yeah. He said, Jim, well, I play dominoes each week. I said, what? He said, yeah, I play dominoes. Come along. So I went into that dominoes with no bigger intention than just seeing if there was a story to be told about Caribbean men playing dominoes in Clapham. That's where it started. At that point, shame on me. I'd never heard of Windrush. Shame on me. Shocking confession. Right. Shame on me. Yeah. Um, but as I spent time with that community, I realized suddenly that, you know what, this is just one part of their traditional lives. There's so much more to explore here because, I, you know, I'm, I'm a, a strategy consultant by background. So I'm always interested in kind of, you know, analysis. Yeah. Once I find story, I'll then start to, you know, really read around it. And as I got into this, I suddenly found, wow. Next year is the 70th anniversary of Windrush arriving. Now I've got a hook that will interest, you know, viewers, the media, because I'm going to now create a story that no one else has told before about how this generation is living, and I'm going to time it to coincide with the Windrush 70th anniversary. Yes. Not knowing at that time, by the way, that this shocking, you know, Windrush citizenship scandal was going to also flare up while I was doing the work which gave it even more poignancy. And it was almost kind of, you know, a lovely counter story to all the harrowing grimness of, you know, what some people were going through as victims of this crisis. I was able to celebrate this wonderful community and how they led their lives, you know, in South London. Well, Windrush ended up as, I think, Oxo, uh, Oxo's most popular exhibition ever, didn't it? I think it was that, indeed. Yeah, it, it was incredible. I mean, we had yeah. fifteen thousand people yeah. over two weeks, three weeks. I mean, quite extraordinary. Yes. We, the gallery was packed, and it made me so happy because I'd say to people, and sometimes we'd have four generations come at the same time because you know they they wanted to share with their kind of oh, their so families. They, yeah, kind of so they could story and, tell between each other. Yeah. And we had these wonderful moments. I'd say, I'm so pleased you're here because this is your story. It's not my story. It's your story. You should be so proud of it. We had total strangers would start talking to each other because they'd, they'd suddenly remember something that an image had kind of sort of triggered in their mind. The Oxo Gallery is obviously a wonderful place to, to be able to put on an exhibition. So if you take the Oxo, they've got a group who kind of, you know, review proposals that come in. Uh, you have to pay to use it very clear uh it's one of the very few places in fact that you can if, if they decide they'd like to show your work then it's one of the few places you can basically put it on but but i, I would say you know I've, I've also exhibited in so in clapham there's a theater called the omnibus theater so often you'll find theaters libraries churches you know would love to stage exhibitions mm. so you just have to ask and they've yeah. of, they've often got hanging space mm you know, set aside to stage exhibitions. And they often want local stories, whether it be local artists, uh, you know, local sculptors, local photographers. So there, there is actually, if you look around you, you know, you will find places that will typically not charge you because they regard it as, if you like, a real blessing for them that they can put something on their walls. But it's really worth doing. And how do you go about the the framing of it? I, I assume that you're taking uh, control of, of yeah, that as well. Absolutely right. So there's, there's two things to that. Um, uh, first thing is that if I'm going to do something in the Oxo Gallery, I'll often, you know, use proper, you know, uh, glazed 
metal frames, uh, non-reflective glass. And so I, there's a, um, a German company called Halbe, H-A-L-B-E, which make actually, I think, very good value frames that you can easily rotate work through. So once you've bought a set, you print off the same size print, you can actually rotate the work rotate through them. it. Yes, and yes. So sometimes I will use uh, those reusable frames. Other times, actually, I'll just print and then uh, mount on black Fomex yeah. without a frame at all yeah. or any glass. Yeah. And actually, it's very interesting. It's a very different viewer experience. It feels much more accessible and approachable, in fact, the format that she just prints mounted on black films. I think you've got to mount them on something to give them a bit of substance and, you know, kind of, um, uh, you know, reverence. Um, uh, but actually making them, you know, unframed and unglazed makes them feel much more approachable and people engage in a different way. Once you put a frame and glass on an image, mm. it kind of says, this is important, you know, yes. treat it with respect. Yeah. Um, uh, and at one level, that's kind of what you want as the photographer sometimes. Um, but but I, I've also exhibited Windrush outside without glass frames, and it's a wonderful experience. I love doing it. Mm. Here I am, yeah. Mark, the 25th anniversary of Women into the, the Church of England's priesthood. And you obviously uh, are in, involved uh, with the church, as you were saying at the start. Um, I, I'm assuming that that was another one of those stories that grew out of, of you showing an interest in, in one person, and it became something completely different. That was, it's very interesting, actually, for me how these stories come about. So what happened there is that the Bishop of Suffolk, who first came across my work as a result of the year with my vicar, uh, but then he also, w one of the 12 stories in Windrush was called Faith, because the faith of the Jamaican women in particular is incredible. Um, anyway, so he said, look, you know, I want to find a way to celebrate this anniversary. It's an important anniversary, 25 years. And would you be willing to find a way to do that so like it was a commission so back to you know sometimes you end up being commissioned so here i was being paid to do this but there's, there's a double-edged sword to that which we can come to if you want to um uh so he said can we find a way to celebrate this anniversary so said, let's think about it so anyway we ended up with the idea that we would choose 12 very different women uh, whether they be young, old, prison chaplain, hospital chaplain, leafy Surrey village, you know, you name it, wonderful variety. Um, and I would spend time with 12 of them to bring to life, you know, their ministry uh, in an exhibition uh, in the Oxford Gallery, uh, which has been re-exhibited already, uh, to, to mark this very important milestone in the church's kind of history. And that's how that came about. The mission in the uh, the prison must have been uh, extremely interesting. That, it, 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 that was the highlight for me. You know, at any time when you end up doing a long project, there's always one or two things that just absolutely end up being, you know, truly amazing moments, experiences. I'd, I've never been to a prison before, and so I had no idea what to expect. Um, and Susie Simpson, prison chaplain um, in the Young Offenders ISIS unit just next to Belmarsh, um, and... Uh, she, incredible woman, incredible woman. Um, they call her Mother Susie because for many of them, she is a sort of mother-like figure. She said, okay, come on in. So we spent two days, uh, two Sundays in the prison and I actually tag along. Because my, my mindset's always, look, you know, please ignore I'm here. Don't look at the camera. Don't smile. Just do what you're doing and I'm going to try and capture it with imagery. And the two things that, some sort of things stuck out, hey, I had no appreciation of the noise in a prison. The noise is incredible. Right. Slamming doors all yeah. the time. Yeah. Um, and one of the regulations that I had to agree with going in, which is fine, was one, you cannot have any image with the face of a prisoner on or right. in the image. Secondly, you cannot have any image with either a key or a keyhole in the image. That's quite hard in a prison. Um, quite hard because you know, even in the background, they say no. And, and every, at the end of each day, I'd have to review all my images for security before I left and delete those with them that were deemed to have basically, you know, crossed the line. So wait a minute. If there if there was a keyhole thirty forty feet away, yeah. you still couldn't be in it. Forty feet, I, I could negotiate right. my way around. That. Right. You okay. Know, anything, right. You know, well, yeah. you know, five five feet, ten feet, absolutely no. Right. You know, and if even even the end of a key, just the tiny end of it, because of course what they're worried about. The, very creative yeah. uh, people, you know, just they just seem needs a little and they might be able to create a uh, So, and the interesting thing about their faces is that so many of them 
they were saying, oh, yeah, please. You know, now, now they knew it was about Mother Susan to celebrate her work. They really wanted to be in it with her. Yeah, yeah. Um, and uh, we'd have to say, look, actually, you know, A, Jim's not allowed to. And B, you know, even though you may feel it's fine, it's not in your interest because, you know, these people are most in their 20s, 30s. You know, in 30 years' time, you mm. might regret the fact yeah. that you've, you've got an image out there that had you in a prison. So actually, mm. it's in your interest, even though you're offering this, Anyway, so I'd have to be taking images of the size of people's heads and behind them and just seeing enough, if you like, of a profile yeah. for the person not to be identifiable, and that would then be okay. I had one that this amazing moment where Susie was praying with someone who was behind an outdoor kind of netted grill. And if I, if I got into some positions, you couldn't make out his eyes. You could just make out bits of his face. Other positions... You could, his face was in focus. I had to, had to just get very creative to try and find ways to, you know, show that humanity, you know, uh, is, is in this place, but without showing faces. What was this double-edged sword then of, of being commissioned? Um, you, you must have think, felt, uh, felt, actually, this was, <laughs> for once, a really nice prospect. Well, it, it is nice, but the only thing about being commissioned, of course, is that, um, you know, ultimately you've got a client. And, and actually, by the way, it was very easy working with Southwark. It's not a problem at all. They were delightful, helpful. But, you know, there's just a review process. You know, they, they need to be satisfied because, you know, I like to record interviews uh, to really add depth to the story so people can read long interviews. So if I'm asking, you know, kind of women, you know, do you feel equal right now in the Church of England? You know, do you feel support? You know, you know, I, you know, I want to ask some quite difficult questions. And so, you know, there was just a need to review everything that was going to be used. And I completely understand that. And I would be in exactly the same position if I were in that place. I'm glad you mentioned the interviewing, actually. Um, and I, I know it's something that you do. And I wonder if it brings you, as a photographer, obviously, you've got one level of closeness, um, um, yeah. one level of intimacy. As an interviewer, let's call it an interviewer, although, you know, it, it, these could be warm chats, it brings you another level of intimacy, doesn't it? And, and does that bring you closer still? Yes, uh, no question. You know, I, I've decided that, I've decided I've discovered that the sort of stories I tell, not everyone by any means, but a lot of viewers are interested to know then more about the individuals that I, you know, kind of, um, you know, show in the imagery. And they love to read their stories. And so... I now, you know, typically, you know, make a, a, a textual narrative a supporting part of work. You can still enjoy the exhibition just by looking at the image if you want to. But if you want to know more about Susie, you know, in, in uh, uh, the prison, what it's like to be a prison chaplain, what the challenges are, how you came to be doing this, you know, all the sort of things you could imagine wanting to know more about, then you've got the opportunity, if you want to, to read about them. Mm. And there's no question you do get close. Also, you also discover then what's important to them. So if I'm going to tell a story about their ministry, and let's say it suddenly becomes clear that one of these 12 loves, you know, what's called healing ministry, anointing people visiting the hospital, then I need to make sure actually that the part of their story has them in that context, because that's now authentic and makes it very individual to them, you know, as one of the people I'm spending time with. So, so very often actually... Um, you know, hearing their story, learning their about their lives. And I always have a sort of interview guide to when I'm going to ask them. You know, that helps me understand, okay, what's important here? What's mm. the story all about? Mm. And how do I make sure I now authentically capture that part, sorry, to tell their story in a way that's authentic to them, and in this case, their ministry? It occurs to me that, that, that photography is, is like a big access all areas badge, isn't it? Because yeah, yeah. you've been to places talked to people, yeah. found out about lives. Let's go right back to just the basics of being invited to take part in a dominoes match that you yeah. would not have done otherwise. Yeah, look, the thing I've learned about this documentary photography is that access is everything. Because if you can't get access, hmm. you can't photograph anything, Absolutely. you know, or anything in private places, you know. So, you know, dominoes clubs, you know, kind of nine nights people's homes, churches you need to have access mm. without access you can't do it well jim it's been a pleasure talking to you i've got one last question what's your curry goat really like delicious 
Fantastic. <laughs> the only thing about curry goat, it's it funny, makes the whole smell oh, of curry it? goat for quite a few days afterwards, <laughs> but it, it tastes <laughs> It probably makes you feel hungry for at least a week if you can smell it in the kitchen Indeed. for a week after. Indeed. Marvellous. Indeed. Jim, best of luck with the, the work as you move ahead and the new projects that no doubt you'll be releasing in the not-too-distant future as well when we're all allowed to come out and play again. Good luck as well with the uh, the, the current webinar that you're doing at the Lycra Academy, and, and thanks for coming on. Thank you so very much. It's been a real pleasure. As always, for everything we talk about on the show, we'll have links on the uh, show note page for today's episode. If you'd like to go and see Jim's work, uh, easy website address to remember. It's jimgroverphotography.com. Photography Daily. If you're wondering what to listen to for the rest of the week after this Fujicast edition and you're still hungry for more... Then be sure to visit my new podcast, Photography Daily, which drops Monday to Friday at 9am UK time, 4am Eastern. Monday to Thursday, inspiring photographers share their stories. Do I really want to risk my life for getting my stuff printed? If the images are not beautifully composed, people will just want to turn away from the images. But I remember the assignment because it was a huge auditorium and there were hundreds and hundreds of people in the room and all I had was a 35 millimeter. And the Friday photo walk is a longer outing with the show's mailbag as we go on assignment together. Photography Daily, available on all your favourite podcast apps and at photographydaily.show. Photography Daily. Right, back to the questions. Oh, keep sending them in, by the way. Very, very important. Click at fujicast.co.uk. Remember, we've come out of doing three months of daily shows, so we work through hundreds of questions. So uh, your input is is more important than ever, so it is. And you can also use the Contact Us form on yes. the website, yes. uh, which is new and shiny still and has lots of other additional things that you may not have noticed, yeah. such as free videos. I thought you were going to say something such as free drinks. <laughs> no, <laughs> free, drink, uh, free videos. Free videos. Uh, so as I scowl the internet, I... Um, and, uh, scowl? I scrawl, 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 scrawl. As I go through the internet, <laughs> I... I find uh, YouTube documentaries and things like that that I, I put on the website. I tell you, you're going to be in trouble from... Uh, from oh, look, I can already hear Gemma. You know. She's not very happy about you getting words wrong. And, uh, I, yes, and I'm actually desperately trying. I've been listening to, to a lot of Louis Theroux to try and... Have you? Does that help? Uh, well, it just makes me feel worse, I suppose. <laughs> and so free movies, etc. Yeah. full stop, yeah. comma, yeah. And uh, a full reference index to all of the shows. Mm. All of the interviewees are referenced and everything else on there, all the links and stuff. So please do go and go and have a look at it. Um, and you can contact us through there also, of course. Right, back, back, um, back to the questions. Who have you got? Martin Signs right. says, Hi chaps, looking forward to the world opening up again and going back to photographing professionally in 2038. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Do you think we'll be ready by then? <laughs> I don't know. I, don't know. Yeah. Maybe. I may have learned to drive by then again. <laughs> with, this dis- with this disease, this is his words, not mine, with this disease likely to be around for a little while yet, I'm mm. wondering what we do with the contract. I'm beginning to book on wedding shoots for 2021 and I think i should have a covid clause all oh, right i've heard photographers charging couples to move dates sometimes as much as 50 percent of the full fee 50 percent. what unbelievable uh what are your thoughts on that so well two points to that isn't mm. there so there's a contract clause and then the idea of charging for moving yeah um yeah i think the covid clause is interesting emily actually asked me something similar off off um offline recently yeah. emily, emily Renier, yeah. friend of the show yeah. And I kind of said, yeah, I suppose, yeah. And and the clause was essentially, what happens if you give it to them? Yeah. Well, you know, if you're photographing a wedding and yes. you give them the the dreaded C, you know, can oh, they I'd, sue you? I'd never even thought of that. Yeah. Well, I, my mind was, well, that's a little bit like, uh, uh, whilst it's much more unpleasant, it's yeah. a little bit like, can you sue somebody for giving you a cold yeah. if you're in there in there? The, can you prove it? It's the well, can you bit. prove it? All that yeah. kind of stuff. Um, however, I mean, it's a very valid point because you know we we do live in a much more litigious world these days, yeah. and uh, so I I probably will have something in there that just says uh, I don't know something like COVID aware. Yeah. Um, you know, please be aware that should I be on the contact trace list for somebody, then that might affect availability, various things like that. Because that, that could be yes, it. Yes, you've got to consider that now. Yeah, I mean, hopefully by the end, of, by next year, this this thing will have off. Yeah, hopefully. Or by twenty thirty eight, when we eventually get back to photographing. 
Um, anyway, the second point was uh, about couples moving dates and photographers charging 50% yeah. just to I give them the I, privilege of moving a date. I, I, I mean, I haven't heard of anybody charging quite that much, but I have heard of people charging money because they say, look, I'm moving my date to a peak date next year, and so therefore that's a date I, I, I can't sell anymore. But I'm thinking, well, you've got the business anyway. But what they're trying to do is they don't want to lose their deposit, do they? Essentially, they want to get another deposit. Well, Because the- otherwise they would have had a deposit for that date that they no longer can have. Yeah, but it's more than a deposit, isn't it? It's a full mm. day's work because yes. let's just say we, we have a wedding on, on the 1st of August yes. this year. It's been cancelled mm. and they move it to the 1st of August next year. Mm-hmm. Um, so effectively, you're losing 50% business over a two-year period because there is no... You, you know, you're not. They're not moving to a Friday next year, and then you can fill that first of August date. So there's no, you know, you're you're. It's we're bang to rights losing out. Yeah. Simple as that. However, the the approach I've taken with all my clients is the ones that have moved. I've just said, yeah, you were all in this together. Yeah, you know, I yeah. really feel sorry for That's you in, in your yeah. wedding plans. Yeah. Yes. I certainly wouldn't say to them, yeah, but you have to pay me fifty percent as a fee. Well, take I mean, away fifty percent. What about, about char- charging you know the two or three hundred quid that I've heard most people have been charging about two or three hundred quid for moving a date? No, I think that personally myself, I think that's wrong. Also, I, 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 I fully, I, you know, some people have been asking for fifty percent of the fee now, yes. and then fifty percent nearer the time to to help the cash flow. Yep. That makes sense. Yep. I haven't done that, but yep. that does make sense. Um, Why haven't you done that? Just because I feel like that they're in the. Sh- just yeah. as much as we are yes and so you know I, I as it happens i'm lucky enough to be able to go to the bank and get a massive great big f- off loan yeah <laughs> what you what you always wanted for christmas that's just what i wanted yeah just yeah. what i wanted to thanks very much mr bank manager headed into my late you're 40s. our favorite listener yeah you're my favorite debtor <laughs> yes. but you know listen it's just me and and i i have no idea about the financial circumstances of other other yeah. people of yeah. course i i do not feel comfortable about penalizing the no, clients though no. because they're they're going to be you know i just don't feel comfortable with that yeah. but, well, there were but quite a few me. wrangles with uh, with uh, with wedding venues over that weren't there yeah. yeah, I mean, venues, that, I mean, some that, of the that, venues have been really nasty yeah, haven't they? that made the bbc news some of it didn't it yeah yeah i didn't i didn't charge um extra i moved the dates um along with it went the deposits that had already been paid yeah same as me and that's just the way i've decided to do it now some people i i I was in one particular forum which which i subsequently left um where you know i I got this guy call yourself a businessman you know Mm. and i i felt like writing about call yourself a human yeah because i just felt uh maybe i was very emotional at the start of it uh, when i made all those decisions like a lot of people were but i just felt it was the thing to do yeah no i mean karma and all the rest of it now's not the time to 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 feel like mm. you know being cutthroat about stuff yeah, yeah. it's about surviving for both people both sides i feel personally yes. so. Ju- julia thorne hi kev hi neil i have a question about photo galleries on the website i have several galleries of my photos of ancient egyptian artifacts i had a look at this by the way which i, I quite like that period of history i'm fascinated I'm, i feel very lucky um exceptionally lucky to have been able to go to um to egypt at a time where you were still able to go into the pyramids because they're closed now you can't do that anymore mm. there was the the terrorist activity and now that was it Boof, no more look at the from from afar but actually going in one mm. i was quite i mean quite amazed mm. i mean you you uh, you go through these sort of very tight corridors and sometimes come into these huge cavernous areas it's very very cool in there mm. um, as you would expect mm. there's all those yeah, and you don't try to think about the thousands of, of tons of um, stones all around you. Yeah. It's the sort of place you'd go to, Kev. Yeah, I know. I'd love to do it. Yeah, absolutely. It was amazing. But anyway, so coming back to Julia, um, I'm never quite sure the best way to, to present them. And actually, this could stretch into all kinds of websites, whether you're a portrait photographer, um, showing Egyptian artifacts or weddings, whatever. How many galleries should I have? I have nine at the moment, but wonder if that's too many. It's quite a lot, but it depends what you've got to show. It's quite a lot, but if you've got nine distinct, <laughs> mm. uh, different, uh, I don't know, sets of artefacts to show, then yeah, it makes sense, doesn't it? I mean, I, I would say things like that are more about. I, I don't know if it, uh, is it a, 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 as she trying to sell the artefacts, no, no, sell no, the no, prints, no. or is it just uh, a, 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 you know, hobby 
kind of thing? I, I no, this this is really for people to be able to observe learn. and learn. Right. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So then it doesn't really matter, does it? In no. terms of that, it's not a. It, it's not about attracting people to the website to buy something. So it's more of an educational resource. So let's look at it as a rounded thing now and then consider other people as well, like like the weddings and the portraits and so on and so forth. Uh, roughly how many images do you think a gallery should have? Is it a case of less is more? I, th- I think you have to be careful. And there's all sorts of um, technical reasons for that as well. The more you have, the longer it's going to take to load, depending well, upon how you well, set the gallery out. There is that, although Google are uh, uh, you know working much more along the, the user experience lines these days. Mm. Uh, or will be certainly next year. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I I actually don't like galleries where it's just pictures. No. I have to say, I don't you like, like text that. as well. I like a context. story. I like context. Yeah. Yeah, I like people to to tell me about the images. Yeah. So that's what I particularly prefer. But yeah, I mean, and you've really done this on your new website, haven't you? I, I, I'd always that, had it yeah. on mine with, with little speech quotes about why why you did particular images. Yeah, and I've I've had it. It's always been like that on mine yeah. for since my first website yeah. years and yeah. years ago. I've never had a traditional gallery page. So you're not a big found of masonry layouts which is something that julia thorne also asked about no 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 but that's that's i don't like the way they line up or don't line up mostly Mm. and things like that so yeah i think that if you are just going to have images make them as long as they're very easy to get to Mm. also remember that most people are going to a website especially if they're interested in egyptian artifacts and are not photographers or anything like that they'd probably not as web savvy as Mm. as other people so clicking on an image and then blowing it up full screen that's fine as long as it's very, very, very obvious how to close it and move yeah. on. It's amazing how many of these you, they pop up, and there's a teeny, weeny, 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 teeny, weeny yeah, X tiny, yeah. in the top right hand yes, corner. Yeah, and you're just like, hang on, what, what, what happens next? next? Yeah. yeah. Yeah, because that was another one One of her questions. Should I use a light box for visitors? So we, we've sort of answered this as we go along. And, and, and I would, I would, I quite like just having a, a, a kind of a length of pictures yeah. that you scroll down in very much, you know, the traditional blog layout. Yeah. Yeah. Most websites, most people, you know, the, the masonry, sorry, not the masonry, the um, light box stuff really has kind of grown with the way that people's screens have got bigger and things like that mm. back in the day when people's biggest mm. resolution was 720 uh, you know then when it's 1080 and now it's you know much larger than that so people will be able to see i don't i don't have mine blowing up popping up i'm working on the assumption they're viewing it on either wide on a tablet in yep. horizontal mode or on a computer phone. Uh, if they're looking on a phone it makes you, you know nope. blowing it up on a phone is pointless yep. because it's just not, not much bigger so yeah. Well, anyway, thank uh, Tom Muchley says Julia. I know my photos are quite niche. Well, very interesting, actually. I had to look at them. We'll put we'll put the website link actually. Yeah, the, we should do. Yeah, definitely on the on the notes today. Um, but any thoughts and advice from the masters would be much appreciated. I don't know when the masters are coming in. I guess maybe later on. Yeah, I think yeah. they came in a bit earlier. Yeah, <laughs> they, yeah. Did, they did. They did. Been, the, they did the lawns. They've been and gone. Right, this week's book. Okay, so we're going, we're revisiting uh, Martin Parr this week, and uh, this is uh, this is a new book for me. Although it's about my homeland, it's called In Wales. Simple title. That's what it says on the tin. Martin Parr in Wales. And it says uh, typical Martin Parr as you can possibly get. So I'm going to randomly pick a page. (laughs) Uh, Oh, another book with no page numbers. Um, so that's difficult for me to explain, but <laughs> it's about two thirds of the way through. <laughs> it's yeah, it's about two thirds of the way through, and this is a table, purple table, with a whole bunch of jars of pickled onions. Oh, they look lovely, just like my dad Love would make them. Onions. Look at that. Oh, Same my dad would do. I them. can eat a, a, literally a half jar of them and yeah, sitting. Yeah, I do have a problem afterwards. Don't ever sit next to me afterwards. So, yeah. <laughs> um, and then opposite is a Victorian cake, a Victorian uh, sponge Victoria cake. Sponge cake. Merthyr Tidville, 1995. Where the Victoria Sponge Cake was? What's No, no. What do you think's on this page? Uh, Titled Merthyr Tidville, 1995. See, if it was Doogie Wallace, I'd say a couple of people falling out of a club, but no. um, Think Martin Parr. Martin Parr. Think of Martin Parr. um, What are they going to be? I've lost. Baked beans. (laughs) Well, that doesn't... (laughs) Brilliant. Like I, was, I was trying to think I was going to say Welsh cakes but did, didn't want to be too cliche brilliant you're giving me baked beans Abergavenny 2003 yeah. baked is, beans uh, no mushy peas okay. and <laughs> faggots 
Uh, there's a lot of food stuff in here, of course, yeah, but yeah. then but then it gets a little bit more uh, contextual. So Pembroke Show 2016, uh, family in in one of the um, the kind of kiddies trolleys type things. Yeah, yeah. Uh, it's typical. It's so typical Martin Parr. Well, well, show both wells. That's when I did. I did my very first judo tournament at that. Did you? Yeah, uh, 2018, and you know, a typical kind of view of all of the 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 cows being shown in the field and people with bright umbrellas and you know guy with a hat on and everything and then uh so there's a lot of stuff from the uh, rowell show so all of the sheep and the, the i love that. i love pictures like this bruce ingram and tim pritchard royal Welsh show winners both wells 2018 both desperately trying to hold on to these sheep that are desperately trying to escape with their immaculate white coats on and ribbons and everything and then of course you have the the, the beach pictures uh typically towards the end um clantrescent male voice choir working men's club look at that love it canton canton liberal working men's club these are great pictures you go to places like this you never take pictures uh, do you know what that you do it's almost become part of photographer's uh, language really because i know i've been um out somewhere with a photographer friend and we've looked at something or seen something and one of us has said I tell you what, there's a Martin Parr just waiting to happen. Yeah, it's become part of the the, the language we use as photographers. But it's it's something he mentioned when we were on the um, Daily, on the podcast would, yeah. when he was on the podcast when you interviewed uh, him, and he was saying that pictures that we take today, the power of them is in the future, and that's yes. something I've I've often said also. But yeah. he, you know, he he's to him, it's about you know storing archive in history. I yeah. suppose is yeah. the, is the best way to say it. And, uh, you know, it's not, you know, these images are pretty much straight out of camera and, you know, there's no, there's no editing of them in terms of, you know, grading or colouring or anything Mm. like that. It's, it's proper, proper documentary photography in that sense, I think. Tower Colliery Glamorgan, 1993. Uh, Let's have a look on that one. hmm? You want to see this one? Yeah. Oh. Not. So, dear listener, I should explain that this is uh, <laughs> quite, three three men in a shower. Not quite what I was expecting. Uh, no, not yeah. quite. Um, Somebody let the chicken in. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, great. A lot of the colliery stuff um, yeah. all closed down now. Uh, but yeah, good stuff. Little book, um, nice and small. Available, Park, available now. In Wales, yes. Yeah, good. Available now. Would you get that through the foundation, or you just? Yeah. Well, I, I buy my stuff through. I buy my Martin Parr stuff through the foundation yeah. because if you're a foundation member, you get a discount. Yeah. But obviously you can get his stuff everywhere yeah. this would definitely be on amazon i will link to it um published by national museum of wales superb all right photo disaster then that's it for the week greetings from toronto um i'd like to share do you know what i've done a terrible thing i haven't, I haven't actually got the name on here Uh-oh. of the person whose this is well you have to identify we'll identify it in the um oh no here we are pierre seguin pierre seguin in canada right Greetings from Toronto. Starting again. I've been meaning to share my photo disaster story. This weekend before last New Year's Day, I was on vacation in Arizona and shooting some landscapes near Phoenix. Vacation, Kev. What's that? Vacation. Is that what word is that? Is that something we used to do? Yeah, it's something to do with um, going going away with the family or something. Really? I can't remember. I was framing a a shot of hole in the rock behind some palm trees reflected in the water when I turned away for a few seconds to reach for some lens tissue to clean a filter. Splash, I heard as my XT20 XF 18-55 Lee 75 filter rig and tripod hit the water. Left me in confusion, disbelief for a dreadful second before I regained my senses, enough to reach into the near-freezing pond to fish it all out. Somehow the tripod had lost its footing, or perhaps I hadn't tightened one of the legs enough. The camera had been hanging off the side of the tripod head to get a portrait orientation because I didn't have an L bracket, you see? Oh... Swearing up a storm with the French-Canadian cuss words of my ancestors, I fumbled round with a hex key for the tripod plate that was blocking my battery door (laughs) so I could remove the battery and the SD card ASAP in my desperate scramble to save my camera. Things looked grim. The lens had water sloshing around inside of it and I didn't have any soft, absorbent material handy to start patting it dry. My wife generously donated her cotton (laughs) T-shirt. What did you think I was going to (laughs) say? to the cause and we drove the 20 minutes back to the hotel also picking up a bag of rice and Ziploc freezer bags does that rice trick really work? yeah I think it does yeah, I've ever... done it with a phone before Yeah, does it work? yeah I wrapped the lens and the body in microfiber sealed each of them and their own bag of rice um, to, to dry not to be opened again till I returned home I only noticed then that the filter holder had fallen off the adapter ring and was probably still in the pond with a circular polarizer on it 
back to the site of the accident we drove and thankfully able to retrieve the filter rig. So it all turns out okay in the end, and, and uh, I believe actually because he posted his misadventure to fujix-forum.com mm-hmm. and um, they managed to clean the whole thing up, I think, in the end. So there we go. But the moral of the story is don't be putting tripods next to the, the, no. <laughs> the water yeah. without the appropriate... Um, kind of brackets that you need and, and, and stabilisation st- yes you need stabilisation right and that's it well we, we shall see you next week when undoubtedly I will ask Kev again what have you got in the diary Kev and undoubtedly again he'll say not a lot <laughs> oh heaven's sake uh, right, uh, thank you very much if you're sending in these reviews. Um, most of all, thank you to the questions that have started. I wanted to stay f- f- floating in again. I probably shouldn't say that after the. Uh, no, the yes. Story, no, 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 don't say that. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, thank you to all, also our guest this week, Jim Grover. And um, we'll be back next week with uh, more of your club indulgence um, reviews and also your, your emails that you're sending into click at fujicast.co.uk if you would like to uh, read more about who's been on the show um, not just this one but ones before and as you say Kev the, the what do you say free videos that you've put on there as well yeah free films free films free stuff that's all you need to know the free power st- of free everything's free that's free F-R-E-E not T-H-R-E-E <laughs> all free today oh what was that from Oh, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Oh, no, that was terrifying. Yeah. The child catcher. Child catcher. Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Terrifying. Yeah. Children. Oh, God. Yeah, that brings back horrible memories. Um, And uh, so if you'd like to send in your your questions, then please do so. It's click at fujicast.co.uk or you can go via the contact form on the website page, of course. Click at fujicast.co.uk. See you next week, Kev. Bye-bye. The Fujicast is an independent Loading Zone production. Email the show with your questions and words of wisdom to click at fujicast.co.uk. Email any complaints and political nonsense to our wives who will deal with your comments in their own good time and in their own good way.